Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup. As always, the team of data scientists and brilliant minds from around the world coming here to advance cannabis science. Even if it's only one molecule at a time, bit by bit, we're moving forward and got some cool statistics to share with you today. We'd be kind of curious to just talk cannabis data with you real quick if you are interested. So Ruth, I saw that you were working on the cannabis license data, and that's kind of pertinent to just the general discussion of cannabis data with, it's a bit of a mysterious industry after all, and it's tough to come by quality data. So we'd love to get some of your thoughts that you may want to put on the table before I just carry on too much. That way we can have a nice back and forth. Um, I had done an analysis a couple of years ago looking at the license data, and I was really interested in understanding what the type of structures of ownership of the different licenses were across states. So in other words, what amount of horizontal and vertical integration um, is there? Now certain states have restrictions, so some require vertical integration and some actually prohibit it. But I was just you know, interested in, I was thinking kind of from an economic standpoint, if you think of, you know, technology can flow across state lines and know-how can flow across state lines. And the economics of non-cannabis inputs should be relatively similar across state lines. And in all of those cases, you would expect the, um, organization of the industry, this is kind of my forte, um, you know, do companies choose to remain independent or do they choose to integrate? In other words, do you see, you know, people doing only cultivation? Uh, are they doing only dispensaries or are they doing both cultivation and dispensaries and perhaps manufacturing? And again, to the extent that most uh, resources in cannabis can flow across state lines, you would expect to see the same types of structures um, across states. And if we don't see the same types of structures across states, then obviously the regulations are playing a, a major role. And I did this analysis and I looked at uh, California, Oregon, Michigan, and Nevada, because that's where I was able to get license data. And as I said, this was a couple of years ago and there turned out to be turned, big, turned out to be big differences across states, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't publish the results, but now because Keegan's made this, you know, the license data is so available, I've been going through and trying to understand kind of which licenses are available. Another interesting thing is some states, for example, enable dis distribution or wholesaling while other states don't. And so again, you're seeing this huge regulatory um, shaping of the industries so that you're gonna have very different outcomes across states just by virtue of what the regulators are requiring or restricting or what. And so anyway, long-winded, um, I had done an early analysis on four different states because that's what I had available, but Keegan is making available licensing data from um, a lot of different states. So I've been going through supplementing them where he didn't have all the information and, and doing it on a lot more states. And I'm kind of in the middle of that analysis and I'm really excited to be able to do it. So thank you, Keegan. 
I love it, Ruth. And hopefully we can put some more statistics in your tool belt today. As always, as I mentioned at the beginning, and we'll welcome the, the newcomers here in a second, we just go bit by bit, tiniest little statistic molecule that we can. And please continue looking at the data because I'm sure you'll have more insights than, than I could think of. But one thing that I discovered today is a myriad of statistics from the ecology literature. And that's mainly what I wanted to share with you today. And basically, I was going to share with you some statistics about diversity, in particular, you know, diversity of cannabis products. But what you could potentially look at is, so you're looking at market structure. Then for next week, I was going to start looking at similarity. And that's kind of what you're looking at. And so you could kind of compare similarity across state and I'm sure there's many ways you can do this, but what comes to my mind since I've been studying all this ecological literature is that you could look at which companies, which licenses are similar across states, right? Um, so if you like basically consider each licensee like a species, right? They're, um, you know, so, some will like spread out and those will be, you know, your MSOs, your multi-state operators. So that's, that's one way you could kind of, you know, study the licensees, but I think you're mostly looking at, you know, regulatory effects. So I'll, I'll chew on that for next week. And then maybe if you want, you're welcome to share any progress you've had or definitely bring your thoughts. So, so that's that's a, that's a good topic that we can chew on this week and cover at the next meetup. I like that, Ruth. So be, please be chewing on that. Real quick, I'll let Candace say a quick word, and then I'll get to some of the uh, the newcomers. Well, well we've got uh, some returning people, but I want to, to welcome the newcomer here in a second. So real quick, Candace. Do you have a, a word that you want to say? Anything that you want to put on the table for today? Basically, I'm thinking product diversity, Ruth's thinking structural similarities between states and licensed structures. So what, what's on your mind? What do you want to put on the table? I don't have anything to put on the table. I'm very interested in both uh, your and Ruth's uh, ideas and also, too, I wanted to say congratulations to Ruth. Also, I saw that your uh, article was published on LinkedIn. That's fabulous, girl. And that's it. That's all I have. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. By all means, feel free to put it in the chat and share. That's exciting news. Good, good work, Ruth. Well, our newcomer, I would love to get your name. I, I unfortunately can't read, uh, appears to be Chinese. So your name just is uh, in Chinese characters to me. So if you want to introduce yourself, you're you're welcome to. Oh, uh, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Yuta and I'm a Japanese. I'm so sorry, so I couldn't turn on the video because I just woke up right now and I just attend. So 
Uh, right now, I'm in Edmonton in Canada, and I'm looking for an opportunity for the industries. And also, right now, I'm volunteering the uh, production cannabis company. So I just really want to know about the industries and people here. So that's why I just attend here. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Happy to have you. And I believe it was you too. Um, so just correct me if that needs to be corrected. So happy to have you here. And Canada is definitely a frontier that we want to start studying. We've kind of neglected it up to this point, and we keep saying that, oh, yes, let's study Canada. Canada's had legalized adult use for quite a while now. I actually was seeing an article, I want to say it's been five years or so. So we want to, to take a look. So I love that you put, put your thoughts on the table because now we can know that, hey, there's some demand for cannabis data science in Canada. Let's go fulfill that demand and maybe you're here to offer some supply too so good to, good to have you here you too thank you larissa do you want to chime in anything you want to put on the table for today no pressure and then caleb coincidentally you attended on a pristine day because you've kept being in my ear about the importance of strain cultivar diversity and that's exactly what we're going to study today going to take a look at the diversity of strains in washington and then going to piggyback on that with something that another meetup member Lou, who was in my ear about about product diversity in Connecticut. So we'll look at both of those today. You've got some cool statistics to put on your plate. But anything that you want to put on the table? Happy to have you here, Caleb. Yeah, excited to be here. And uh, just always interested to see the data and uh, pull, some, uh, pull some pathways of understanding out of it we're uh working on kind of structuring the fundamentals for in-field data collection um, for our open collaboration framework that we've been working on and so it'll be really interesting to see uh, what other people in the community really value in terms of the diversity and, and different phenotypic traits and other things like that um, so I, I imagine we'll be looking more at the processed flower diversity, but yeah, I'm, I'm just interested in, in capturing the diversity of the cannabis plant in general, um, it, first in my mind and then eventually into actual like quantification systems. Well, you're in for a treat today, a Dutch treat. Um, so we've got, I mean, just wait, we've got, like I said, probably a half a dozen or more really cool visualizations and statistics to to calculate and yes you're going to see a bunch of top strains and also we're going to actually well i'll end my analysis with a lesson of why the work you're doing is so important so stay tuned that's coming so big things coming coming up soon yasha you're always doing groundbreaking work you've 
definitely been moving everything forward in Massachusetts. We'd love, and I mean nationwide for that matter. So we'd love to hear about anything that you want to put on the table. So, um, can you hear me? Yes. I was having IT problems this morning and I missed your introduction to what you're going to be talking about today. So I'm a, like an excited child that walked into the middle of a conversation. And I'm excited for, for what you're going to share and the last few words that you said about the uh, diversity of strains. Excited to see what you have there. Uh, on, on my front, um, I have spoken to, I think now more than half of the, the states that have uh, legalized cannabis, I've spoken to, I think, more than half of the regulators that represent those states over the last two weeks. Uh, presented what's happening nationwide. Um, excellent discussions. Nowhere are we getting nearly as deep as the work that you do, Keegan. It's all very surface on you know data integrity. That's pretty much it. Oh, I feel like I'm only scraping the tip of the iceberg. You're really, really hammering home some of the really tough to reach statistics in the, the laboratory space. And I love it that you're also spreading the word because as a data scientist, right, you have to wear so many hats. And sure, you, you may wear the, the researcher hat, the computer programmer hat, but you also have to wear the, the communication expert hat, right? You actually have to take these visualizations, statistics, put them in front of people and help them understand them. And Candace uh, is, uh, has that old Edward Tufts book, books too. But one thing Edward Tufts says is, you know, basically your visualization should be able to be read. So if somebody can't like, you know, understand your visualization, it may be because it's not a, a good visualization, right? It could be it, it's not telling the story of the data correctly. So, so one, you know, hopefully the visualization should be readily apparent to people, but two, you know, they're gonna have follow-up questions and that's when things really get fun is when, you know, people start to, you know, pick apart your research methods. So that's just, always just to add a few quick, very quick points. Uh, one is I know that within the UX, industry, UX profession, um, in the 90s, the approach was if you have a software and users are not able to use it, it's the user's fault. And then there was a change to, no, it's it's the designer's fault if users are not able to understand it. Same with presentation of data. If you present way too much data thinking like, you know, I want to display all the work that I've done, that's not going to come across as well as identifying what was the What's the presentation that would be the easiest for everyone to understand? Here's some important. Good point. Good, good points. And that's why often I'll just resort to just a bar chart. And I've got a bunch of them for you today because there's a time and a place for different visualizations. And you don't want to just force some fancy chart on a situation because you want to show off some technique um, so there's always it's basically a time and a place 
for all the various techniques and what when in doubt go simple so that's what i do but anywho enough of that spieling let's let's practice what we preach today and actually do this so here i'll share my screen with you and let's let's keep it pretty active today because i don't it's a pretty cool subject and so i don't want to to lose your interest at any point so i'm just going to keep things moving quick it, because there's a lot of cool ground to cover so long story short got a good laugh out of this saw this on halloween and wanted to go ahead and share it with you because yosh has probably you know seen more than his fair share of paranormal distributions here in the cannabis industry so, so that's a good laugh and then here's a meme that i tried to create basically i wanted a like a monty python style foot like squashing the ghost uh, because today i discovered a rad distribution um so just keep in mind the, the foot so hopefully that can be memorable but long story short what's come up a couple times right one caleb's mentioned that oh he's concerned with helping people preserve the diversity of cannabis and then i heard a meetup member lou mentioned that in connecticut since the introduction of adult use there's been a you know a decline in just the diversity of products on the shelf and basically just wanted to see if we could actually put some numbers to that because well if something's meaningful meaningful to you and you also can measure it well then you can kind of manage it and maybe do something about it so so that's the 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 idea for today so what met metrics do we even have well just you know basically ask chat gpt or you know start searching around and you'll see that they've been talking about this in the ecological literature for just a long time and basically the easy metrics you basically hear they're talking about here they're talking about species but we can generalize that to anything so this could be strains this could be products we were getting fancy and saying this could be licensees and actually we'll get super creative later on and we'll actually apply this to chemicals so that's when things get wild so so anywho the abundance just the number of each species then the then you can and you can almost think about th these as just uh, your typical statistics and then you know evenness that's going to be kind of how lot you know how evenly dispersed are the species or do you have an equal number of each species right so like noah's ark would be perfectly even right he's got two of every species so that would be perfect evenness and then you know 
the the other end would be when AI takes over, and then you only have like one species, right? But just just kidding. Um, that's a future that I don't think is too likely. But anywho, that that would be dominance, right? So that would be the degree that you know one species is dominant over the others. So right now, you know, humans are pretty dominant, and then richness that's something that's of utmost concern in you know by ecologists that's just the number of all the species and so that's something that um so, so these two are the ones that you know you mostly hear people talking about so if something is endangered that's because its abundance is low and then the people are also talking about the number of species right like the the number of different types of fish in the ocean so on and so forth so let me just rush through this because i don't know you can find this information on wikipedia so i don't want to be too repetitive but it is a nice foundation for us to have but basically let's try to get to math land and we can stand on the shoulders of giants and this is an equation that people have derived for diversity and so it's basically just the sum of all the species so one to r so if there's only one species r is one and then p is the proportion of those species so if it's one species then P is one. And then Q, I think, is an optional parameter where you can basically weight either the abundant or the rare species. If you crank Q up, that I think puts weight on the abundant species. And then if you crank Q down towards zero, then that puts weight on the the rare species. So, so long story short, that's sort of the abstract equation. And then this is the one that we can actually estimate. So, so here we're just, they call this the Shannon diversity index. And it's basically just the sum of all the species. And we just multiplied the proportion by the log of the proportion. And so if we just do a count, so we just count all the strains, what proportion of them are Gorilla Glue? What proportion of them are Super Silver Haze? What proportion of them are Runts? So on and so forth. So, so long story short, that's readily calculable. And then I, I may skip over this, but this is actually a statistic that we've seen in the past. So I just wanted to give a quick mention to it, the Simpson index. And that's just the sum of all of the proportions squared. And we actually have seen this before. And Ruth, this is pertinent to you because this measure, Ruth, do you know what this is? It goes by another name. 
example, it's a measure of industry concentration. Exactly. So economists call this the, um, what's it? I'm going to get the, the H's backwards, but it's H the Hirschfendahl Hirsch index. <laughs> exactly, the Hirschman Hirschfendahl index. And it's basically the exact same statistic. And basically, this is where, you know, in science, there's like a rule that the the metric is never named after the person who first found it. So I think, you know, somebody did the square root of this, I think, back in 1945. And then Simpson introduced this in 1949. And then I think Herfindale came in in 1950 and maybe popularized it. And basically, this is a go-to statistic in economics because it's readily calculable. And you can basically determine the market sheet. It's a, well, w once you have the market share of all the firms, you can figure out how concentrated the markets are. And so this is a way that you could actually compare and actually we've done this to a certain extent but we only estimated it so we estimated the concentration of species but of licenses of market share in the various states i mean how do we do that we did that by total revenue divided by number of licenses um actually i'm I'm going to actually need a refresher on that. So I'll make sure that that old recording is uploaded. I may have been in a Saturday morning statistic. And long story short, Ruth, I wouldn't be surprised if if you end up calculating um, some of these statistics yourself. So so anywho, just wanted to to make that 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 quick connection because it's it's funny how the sometimes different fields will be in their their own silo right economics is in its own silo ecologies in its own silo but they're still using statistics at the end of the day and one statistic that's useful in one field is often useful in another so i'll i'll go ahead and move on because i'm maybe I don't want to bore you too much with that, but let's go ahead and get to the empirics, get out of theory land and get to the empirics, because I think this is where things get fun. So here is a figure that's readily calculable with the, and that's the last time I'll say that word, with the data that we have. So as always, I basically like to show you a interesting chart or figure from the literature that we can try to reproduce. And this is the go-to chart in ecology that really helps us visualize all of these dimensions. First off, you're, you're plotting abundance. So, so, so 
just subtract the relative for right now. So you could just plot abundance and we're going to do that momentarily. So that's plotted. Or you could plot relative abundance, which is basically how abundant is everything to the most abundant species or type. And so that basically kind of encapsulates dominance, basically how, you know, to what degree is this first one, you know, dominant, so to speak. But it, it also helps you visualize richness, which is just the number of species. So how long is this tail? So the the longer the tail, the richer the community. So this is a community of species. Um, and, and later on, what we can do is actually compare communities. And so that's basically on the agenda for next week. And that's when we kind of get in Ruth's land, where we kind of think of all the different states as communities or ecosystems. Um, so so, so that, that's cool. That's coming up. So we've got richness. And then evenness is basically how steep or flat is this curve. If we're on Noah's Ark, then this curve is perfectly flat. Everything's evenly represented. Conversely, you know, if there's not, if it's skewed, you know, there's not much evenness. Okay, so, so you get the idea. So, so hopefully I haven't completely lost you yet because let's go ahead and actually get to data land and actually, you know, see if we can't calculate these statistics. But while I'm getting everything ready, are there any thoughts, comments, questions? A quick one. Uh, yep. I, I believe Noah's Ark had uh, most animals were in pairs, but clean animals are those that are kosher were in um seven of each sorry i think that's true but <laughs> <laughs> that's such a fun fact so that's that's wild so that <laughs> so, so it will definitely change the abundance curve um uh, I, I think i think that's true I, I, from memory yeah, that, that'd be a fun statistics lesson to actually kind of plot out the, oh, what if Noah's Ark had two animals? Oh, what if there was actually seven in certain types? That's good. And a second quick point. Uh, I assume that the graph that you were just showing, if it was not in a logarithmic scale on the y-axis, it would have been closer to Benford's law. Ooh. You know, I don't remember that one off the top of my head, but we did look at Benford's law. So does that follow this similar distribution? Or I, I can't tell because it's logarithmic here, but th there should be a, I, I think so. I, I don't want to pause what you're doing. Ooh. Well, that's a good note though, because they actually do recommend, well, not Rick, it's basically, um, I don't 
know what the right word is customary in the the literature or in the field to represent things in log scale so we'll actually be doing that today so we'll double check if it resembles Benford's law and so it, I think that's the occurrence of digits exactly not, not just digits but anything that comes up um, the most common words in a book or or how often a word comes up in the book, the, the most common is going to be X percent more often than the next, the second, and so on. Letters apply same way. It's not just digits. Ooh, I think you're 100% right, Yasha. Now you're kind of jogging my memory. This, I think this person, Simpson, I think he was originally studying characters. So like he was, I think, studying like what's the probability you know, the next character is going to be a Z mm -hmm. or an A, so on and so forth. And I don't know, it just, it seems like it's just such a small world because that's kind of like almost exactly the talk of the town right now, right? Like right now, everybody's, and like, right, I've already mentioned ChatGPT a couple of times, which is basically just a really, really sophisticated language model. And this is something that, you know, Simpson, right? So ChatGPT is predicting maybe word, like word after word, but, you know, Simpson, you know, started and he's doing it character after character. It's just, it's just wild how, you know, one giant stood on the shoulders of another giant who stood on the shoulders of another giant. And, you know, in the matter of 60 to 80 years, you know, st statistics is, I mean, now it's really just blowing people's minds. Um, so, so anywho, it, it these these statistics can be used in any field right it's like they can be used in natural language processing they can be used in ecology and economics and as we'll sh show you you're kind of in chemistry but let's go ahead and start plotting these because enough talk let's do so what if basically we have the washington data as you may be a uh, told you a little about it before we just jumped in here and started plotting but you've seen it enough we have about 70,000 lab results for Washington we know the strain names of course the strain names could be cleaned up a good bit because they were entered by humans so we could probably use some natural language processing I'll I'll put that on kind of the, the side burner. I'll post the code to GitHub where I like started to do some natural language processing. Um, but it kind of detracts from the main purpose today, which is to start looking at these abundance curves. And so keep in mind, right, we're roughly trying to reproduce a chart that looks like this. And this is kind of where I got the idea of the foot from earlier. So, you know, maybe if you need like an easy way to remember this, 
this kind of distribution, the relative abundance distribution, the rad distribution. Um, I think of a foot. <laughs> but, but anywho, here, I just needed something to talk about while this was plotting. But here's basically, you know, the relative, or actually this isn't relative, this is just the abundance curve of strains in Washington. Um, and we can actually find the richness. So the richness, there's, you know, 9,000 strains that have been grown in Washington between 2021 and the end of September of 2023. So you can play with this time scale for for your own interests, but right now I I kind of weighed the pros and cons of excluding data and decided just to include everything. So, I don't know. I uh, maybe we, maybe we should should look at it year by year. So I think I'll do that down below. But anywho, this is something that everybody wants to know. So we'll go ahead and find these statistics. You know, what are the top strains? And you know, we always mention this time and time again. And keep in mind, I haven't applied any natural language processing we have shown in the past that if you oh you start combining gorilla glue and gorilla glue number four and gg4 that actually does push gorilla glue way up the chart so i haven't done that here so just keep that in mind but once again I'll, I'll show you some really, really cool abundance charts here in a second, but I just wanted to go ahead and introduce you to the concept with just, you know, just some strains, right? Here's just the top 20 in Washington. And then we don't really need to do this, but just to, to repeat, this is just the same charts, but with relative abundance. And here, I think it's relative to the total abundance um, instead of relative to the to the first one. Um, but this just, um, I wanted to plot it because it's just a slightly different shaped curve. But so that way you've, you, you've, seen the shape of actually maybe the same shape curve um, okay so relative abundance there you have it so just wanted to do it just to to say we did it right that was what we set out to do relative abundance curve relative abundance curve cool we checked that checkbox but now I actually want to to kind of kind of show you where you can take this because you know it it's kind of cool to know oh what what are the top 20 strains in Washington but yeah what's in a strain name you know um 
So I kind of want to move to the chemical side of things because why do I want to do that? Well, real quick, I'll show you one last one of these strain abundance charts that kind of will let me show you why we want to start thinking about chemicals. Because what if we look at abundance year by year? And hopefully one of you can think of a better way to visualize this because I'm not happy with this visualization. This is a case where you actually may want a more sophisticated chart than a bar chart. See here you see, you know, the bar chart does a brilliant job of visualizing the, the, the relative abundance. Ooh, thought, comment, question? Uh, if you were to stack them year by year, so instead of having overlays, stack them, then you can see the relative sizes, and then you can also do you do one based on absolute numbers and based on proportions. Okay. I'm, I'm not certain I can pull that off right this second, um, but ChatGPT may. Uh, so, so real quick, let's just just for fun, see if old Chat GPT can pull this off, and then we can maybe look at uh, chemicals, because I think you're absolutely right. Um, can you turn this into a stacked bar chart, please? So we'll, we'll just see if this works. If it works, it works, and if not, not. But basically. While ChatGPT is drafting that up, the way that I was interpreting my subpar visualization is that you see some, this is basically the top 20 strains for, for the three years. And you see, you know, some strains drop off. So these strains were top strains in 2021 but not in 2022 and 2023. Same with uh, the red ones. The ones that are only red were top strains in 2022, but not in the other years. And then these ones where there's all three colors, they're top strains each year. And then you can kind of see if they've increased or decreased from year to year. So if the yellow's higher, that means they've decreased in popularity from 2021. And then if the blue's higher, it means like runts. Runts is increased in popularity. But let's let's see if this stacked bar chart just works. Um, and this is sort of, uh, let's just kind of copy and paste this and just see what happens. Um, because we only have 15 minutes, so let's just see how close ChatGPT gets. Uh, looks like uh, uh, once. Let me just see if uh, this error. Okay. So once again, we'll just let ChatGPT think in the background. And 
we'll come back at the end and see if they're able to to, and, and this is this is where large language models have come and this is like the kind of the cool thing about it right who i doubt simpson would have ever ever imagined that you know he's trying his hardest to predict the next letter in a sentence and now like we're basically like having chat gpt like try to predict entire blocks of code um so so anywho that and you know as you can see i think the model is doing it letter by letter or at least word by word but anywho let's go ahead and start looking at some of this chemical data and i'll I'll try this 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 stacked chart one last time. Um, ba -ba -ba. Uh, let's just see if this works. Okay, so it may just work. Okay. So I'm going I'll, just so I don't derail the the meetup. Maybe I'll I'll let you all play around with this, or or I'll take a take a stab at it after the meetup. Or Ruth, you're welcome to. But basically, that's I think as Ruth mentioned, I think that's a better way to visualize this is uh, a stacked bar chart. Um, but but anywho. Anywho, I'll thought, comment, question, and then I'll, I'm going to move on to the chemistry side. Sorry, Day. Okay. Well, let's let's change gears a bit. Um, programming something you really have to just kind of sit down and and you know, you you have to like read it and do it gracefully. I, sometimes I'll try to take a stab at it like I just did there and try to do it on the spot, but it's difficult. Um, so, so long story short, there's a lot of trial and error and I don't want to, to bore you with all of my errors. So, so let's change gears here. Um, but, but long story short, the important thing, the important chart over here is the abundance of strains and essentially for next week what would be i don't know if we're going to be able to do it because we'll actually have to use natural language processing i think but you would like to basically compare relative abundance curves from one state to the other right which state has richer variety of strains you know california oregon washington colorado massachusetts you know it, it may go by population but you may be surprised you know michigan may just have a really rich community of strains so uh-oh 
that's not good. Um, okay, so going to go ahead and change gears here and start looking at the Connecticut data. And was able to actually correct uh, a mistake I made in a past week and actually get the the chemical sorted out. So I hadn't I hadn't correctly matched up the lab results yet, but I think I I have everything aligned. So for example, if you look at you know one of these lab results, here's just this first one. You see 1.1% THC. If you go look at the lab result URL, um, one second, then we get this COA, and sure enough, you have 1.1% THC. What's really kind of bizarre, though, is I think we, we're going to need to do some double checking here because like, so for example, like, I, I don't know what to make of this, right? Because it, it, it says, you know, one to one, it's a, it's a, it's a one to one drop, but you know, here they've, they have 1.1, 1 1.1, 1 .1, um, but then the COA, has you know cbd 1.15 thought comment can we, can question scrolling down just a little bit no no sorry sorry on the coa Oops. Uh, because uh within the code it also says the camphor is at 1.1 oh yes and i'm not seeing where they where that's pulled from yes and this is something that that's oh, Sorry. Yeah. This is something that I've identified is an error. Is are these three compounds? So here, let's do another random sample here, um, right? Because basically, the data integrity of these is something that I'm really, really not sure about. Um, so There's here's. There's something else here, and that's that when you have a brand that advertises it's putting out a product that they say say one to one, then that's kind of what they're hoping for. But there's going to be some small variation from plant to plant. So generally, it's about one to one, but not necessarily exactly one to one. Okay, here's exactly. So that's why that may not have been the best sample. So here, let's look at this one. So this one's 73.56. And we do have a spot check there. But, but it also uh, says that the CBD is also 73.56 and uh, Camphor is also. Okay, so I, I wonder if it, it's not impossible that this was a coding error on my... So basically, I haven't basically i haven't yet deduced if this is an error from me collecting the data or from their actual api but um but here i'll show you where i'm getting the data and then maybe you can 
help uh, solve this problem. But another thought, comment, question? So, so long story short, this is kind of why I'm calling on you for, for investigation here. But I'm almost 100% certain that, so here's, yeah, so here's their database. And so you see, you know, in their database, for whatever reason, they're repeating these values. Um, so I guess just because uh, they did it doesn't necessarily mean that that we should ignore the fault. So long story short is, this is actually why we're going to have to do it the hard way you know it's like life like life just can't uh <laughs> like no, nothing's ever easy uh in, in this world so it's basically like ah, you know it would be so nice just to just read the data from their api but we actually i think are going to have to go to the source of truth which is the coa so basically, at the end of the day, this certificate that has these signatures is the source of truth. This is the official document. So we actually do have the technology to parse these COAs. Um, and I was actually going to prepare that for you for today, but it was just it was just getting too much. Um, so I think that maybe on the agenda for next week is maybe do some COA parsing, maybe do some similarity. We'll we'll do some things like that. But it was just good. it was getting a little much for today. So um, I may have to exclude CBD too. But um, I think we're just going to have to proceed for today, just knowing that some of the compounds like THC appear to be being read correctly, but I think I'm gonna actually have to add C, exclude CBD now too, because it looks like CBD is incorrect. Um, so long story short, we're gonna to have to get the data out of these COAs. So that's, that's on the docket for next week. Um, so let me actually do that real quick. Um, where is this bad one? Uh, CBD. So here I've actually created a list of all the cannabinoids and terpenes, and it looks like I'm actually going to have to cut out CBD too. So these are the first time that I've seen the statistics without this compound. But good, good eyes, Yasha. And this is this is why it's so important to double check the data, like. I'm not even necessarily faulting anybody at the, you know, at, at um, in Connecticut because look, you're you're dealing with including these three, forty-one terpenes. Eight, whoops, that was misspelled. Yeah, that's a function. So you know, you're dealing with. And I want to say there's 18 cannabinoids. Oh, okay, so 10 cannabinoids. So you're dealing with a lot of data. Okay, so let's exclude those and power through this just to go ahead and 
do the best we can. So we're going to do the best we can with the data that we have and just know that this data is super, super suspect because we've already identified four compounds that appear to be incorrectly entered. Um, so long story short, if we think about chemicals as in the same terms as we were thinking about, you know, strain abundance, well, this is chemical abundance. So you see, of course, right, THC, THCA, those are the most abundant cannabinoids in cannabis. But you're also seeing things like, you know, and sorry that this graph is so uh, bad. If it, if any of you have better ideas about how to visualize this or clean these labels up, then, then by all means. So I'm just going to do my best. So sorry for this really, really bad visualization here. But uh, you see CBGA, beta-curiophylline, you see beta-mercine and limonene are quite high. And then compounds on this end are what you'd call rare compounds. So pulgol and nerol are rare. So so you know if you're if you're like in the the business of they call them exotics. So those are the people who are doing just the really rare and exotic type strains, then you may want to like look for terpenes that are really, really rare, you know, um, whatever they may be. So uh, terpenine is, is actually kind of rare. So, so you know, so that, that's something you can think about. And then these are our classic charts um bye, bye, bye. i'm actually going to skip over those just uh because it kind of sidetracks from the main thing we're doing here um okay so actually actually i'm not going to skip over them do, do you all want me to we're it's at 9 30. so do you want me to go ahead and show you all the visualizations here in like five more minutes or I have okay. to step away. Okay. Kicking as always, huge thank you. Thank you, everyone. All right. Too cool, Yasha. Thank you for coming. And how about everybody else? Do you want to see all the charts or just uh, want me to wrap it up real quick? I'll stick around. Uh, okay. Let's just do it. What yeah, I have a few more minutes to stick around and see the charts. I'm interested so far. Cool. Cool. Well, um, we'll just do these last few charts real quick because. They're, they're interesting enough. So long story short, we've looked at beta-pinene to D-limonene ratios in the past and just said, oh, hey, you know, different cannabis strains have different ratios of these. So one thing we were curious that I was kind of curious about is, you know, what's the, is this changing over time? And you know, is there, you know, 
is the market changing over the time? And basically what I was wondering is, you know, are like kind of more like what we would think of as like the indica leading, um, which I'm kind of doing in purple. And basically the way I think of this is, you know, if you do a quick search online, you see, oh, sativa indica, like, oh, sativa plants may have like thinner leaves uh, then you know indica plants may be shorter and so there's all these sort of ad hoc characteristics and i just almost think of this as just a chemical characteristic so just as plants have different heights plants have different chemical profiles and so just because something has you know a ratio that's high in delimiting doesn't necessarily mean it's an indica but that's just a trait that's typical of what you would think of as your typical indica plants that's kind of what i think of this is this is more just a trait and so basically i was just curious like you know are we seeing you know more or less of one type of trait over the other over time and you can actually conclude with uh, some degree of significance that you know it looks like the market's kind of heading in one direction but then i don't know i don't know how i wouldn't actually read too too much into this because it's kind of uh, it's kind of variable a little bit right because it's you know up here at 0.75 and dips down then it goes way up now it's dipping down so there may actually not be anything to this trend it could just we may just need to see time play out on this one i have another information piece there that might be relevant for consideration year to year <laughs> climate changes and we know that the genetic triggers for uh, these compounds can be largely associated to, um, or at least can uh, be largely affected through uh, weather patterns. And even indoor grows, you know, respond to changes in outdoor climate to some degree. So 2021-22 um, year was a notably strange year for cannabis farming. That's a good point. And I think some things like like that, like the climate, will should be taken into consideration because this is sort of almost like a different topic. Um, this is like that's why I almost skipped this one. This is, one's a bit of a tangent um, when you're talking about uh, kind of like oh, w which types are are more prevalent over the years. But I don't know. It's kind of in the the ecological realm and then um i don't know kind of more into the plant chemistry realm so i like you for i like that you brought that up caleb so the long story short something like this it's not apparent that it's it's just because people prefer 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 the the higher delimiting it could just be noise but here's Here's another chart that may actually kind of jump out at us, right? You want statistics to kind of jump out at you. So here, I just calculated the 
remember we we talked about earlier the bah, 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 where, where was it uh, bah, 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 the shannon index we, we at the end of the day we want some index for diversity so you know there's the simpson index we've looked at that in the past today we're looking at the shannon index and i want to say higher values um uh, I want to say higher values are more diverse, and I think if it goes to zero, I want to say um, it's completely undiverse. But um, but anyways, um, kind of get okay. So here it is. Um, sorry, my <laughs> brain's at about its capacity for today. So I kind of encourage you all to, to look into this and make sure I'm doing it right. But basically, here I just looked at what I just calculated the total diversity in chemicals for each product. And then I took the average of that over time. So, so it's basically like, you know, given a, a given product. So for example, you know, this, this first product, um, uh, bah, 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 I won't print out everything. Um, just, uh, the product type, um, and its diversity, you know, um, and plus the, the cannabinoids. Oops. Um, okay, so for example, you know, this first product, it, it just has a, a zero, um, and that's because it only has THCA. Um, but if you like, you know, if you look at another product, it's got a di it's got a diversity score of 1.1. And you see it's got it has CBC. Oh no, it doesn't. It has THCA. It has beta myrcene. It's got terpineol. It's got beta caryophylline. And so basically the more diverse the, the chemical constituents of the product, the higher the diversity score will be. Um, and so uh, bah, 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 you can basically see, share here real quick, um, and I'll be wrapping up. So you can basically see the you know this the distribution of you know diversity in the market where you know you see some products with just you know a really high degree of chemical diversity so these ones are they're just going to have a lot of different chemicals at different concentrations and then products down here are just going to have fewer chemicals at more similar concentrations um, and, and then basically what I did was just, I just grouped that 
by month and then took the average and it's it's kind of stark um and then so like for, so for example here with uh with the beta pinene to delimiting this is where i kind of like to show you an example of a statistic that doesn't jump out at you too too much versus one that really jumps out at you right this is like a time series that it does have a statistically negative trend but it may just be seasonality and we just haven't captured the next season yet versus you know a plot like this i mean there's just no other way to put it right like for whatever reason and the reason may even just be coa data is bad you know it could just be that there was just a structural change in how the coa data was being recorded at these various junctures in time but whatever the reason it does appear that they you know basically what i'm calling the chemical diversity of cannabis products in connecticut has has decreased drastically over time and and this is kind of in line with the anecdote that i had heard from lou which was whenever he basically said whenever connecticut allowed adult use you just saw just a decrease in just the 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 various selection so it, it could be we may want to put on a historian's hat and basically pinpoint the point in time when connecticut permitted adult use and see if you know we could do like a difference and difference and see oh you know did the allowance of adult use decrease the chemical diversity in cannabis in connecticut or maybe it didn't maybe it's just been decreasing over time for another reason once again it could be coa issues um, but but then i just wanted to add one last conditional plot just just for the fun of it um and this is just remember there's not that many producers in connecticut um so i just was curious about um what's the what's the difference between the producers and basically you see they're all kind of decreasing their diversity of products um it does look like these two companies were it looks like they were kind of holding out so maybe they were during this time period trying to keep some of the diverse products on the shelf and then uh, they they may have just not been profitable. And then it looks like, for better or for worse, you know, um, it looks like most people are just kind of settling on, you know, a pretty pretty standard set of products that don't have a wide variety of chemical profiles. And so maybe you know someone like Lou can't find the the product they're looking for but but anywho this is just a way that you can 
conceptualize sort of diversity of products in cannabis. And I just thought it was interesting because yes, we could look at strains, but you know, what does a strain name mean? I think it's it's a bit more impactful to actually look at the diversity of chemicals. Um, but um, I think both are interesting, but hopefully, hopefully you all found a nugget here. But any thoughts, comments, questions? I know I covered a, a ton of a ton of ground there, but hopefully you found something of interest. On that note, want to give you all a big thank you for coming. I know it was a long meetup. Hopefully you walked away with some good data, some good statistics, and had a little fun while you were doing it. So as always, thank you all for coming. Go on, get on out of here, have a productive day, and keep advancing cannabis science. Mm -hmm.